Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. And today we're going to spend a few minutes together to talk about something I'm asked about a lot as somebody who studies elections and election law, which is what keeps me up at night. And the answer, unfortunately, is what doesn't keep me up at night with respect to this election. It could be unprecedented for so many reasons, but let's take two of the main ones. We're very likely going to be voting in the middle of a pandemic, and we have a president of the United States who's trying at every turn to undermine our faith in the election systems. So let's talk about both of those. And first, what's different because we're going to be voting in the middle of a pandemic? It's vote by mail. We are ramping up vote by mail in states with a speed and scale like, frankly, we've never seen before. And that's because it very likely will just be safer to vote by using a paper ballot that we can put in the mail than by actually going into a polling place. Now, listeners, imagine that you have to build a building and you have to do it really quickly on an earthquake fault. And you don't quite have the right supplies and you don't really have time for the perfect blueprints, but you have to build that building and you don't have time to do a stress test before there's going to be an earthquake. Now, if you think about that earthquake, the analogy is that earthquake is going to be our election. We know that we will have the election. Yes, listeners, we are going to have an election. And we know that our vote by mail system will have to withstand it. But we haven't had a stress test yet. And that's one of the scary things about our election. As you all know, our elections are really run by states, not by the federal government. Under the Constitution, it gives states the power over the time, place, and manner of elections. That's why every state has different election laws. And in fact, even county registrars have a great deal of power over our elections. So some states have been using vote by mail for a long time. Some states are just have used vote by mail to a smaller extent and are really just ramping up. So what do we need to vote by mail? Some of this doesn't sound particularly sexy, like we need paper and printers, but it's really, really important. So think about vote by mail as two main steps. First, we have the step of getting the ballots to the voters, getting the ballots to the right people. And then we have the step of getting the ballots from the voters and their kitchen tables to the county registrars, to the election administration officials, so that those votes can be counted. Now, in terms of getting the ballots to voters, what do we need? We need to make sure that people who wanted to register to vote could, and then we want to make sure that eligible voters actually get their ballots and they get those ballots on time. Now, people have asked me about the best practice. The best practice is just to automatically mail ballots to eligible voters, not to force people to go through that additional step of requesting a vote by mail ballot, sending that in, and then waiting for their actual ballot. There's really no good reason for that additional step if you have a good voter registration process. So again, what do you need? You need the paper, the printers, the ballots to be designed properly, the envelopes, And of course, in order to get that to the voters, you need the Postal Service, which we've heard a lot about. And you need the Postal Service to deliver those ballots on time. Now, 
one of the things that you can do to make sure your vote is counted is to try and get that ballot in as quickly as you can after you receive it. The problem with that is if you don't receive your ballot until really close to the election day or maybe even, I hope not, but on election day, you have to act very quickly. States require that ballots be in by a certain date and or postmarked by a certain date. So this again requires the postal service. So now after you've marked up your ballot, you sat around your kitchen table, maybe talked to your family, Zoomed with your friends, you've talked out the issues, decided how you want to vote. Now you've got to put that ballot back in the mail the right people have to receive it and it has to be counted by machines that are working properly and we have to get those ballots again to the right machines properly counted and then get those election results if all this sounds like it could take a lot of time the answer is yes it could and this is why it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that we might not know the winner of the presidential election on election night. This will be different, listeners. This will be different for us. We're used to having it called on election night, except for those of you who, like me, live through Bush v. Gore. And so if it actually takes a bit longer, that means that election officials are doing their job. It doesn't mean that there's a problem with the system. It means the system is actually working as it should. Giving people the time to count the ballots because the more vote by mail we have likely the longer it will take to count because people will be uh, voting later and their ballots might not arrive until after election day which is fine as long as they're postmarked by the right time so as i said one of the things that really worries me is the scale and speed with which we have to ramp up vote by mail Another thing that really worries me is the psychological warfare that I think we'll be subject to during this election. And that what I'm really talking about is President Trump, who's tried very hard to undermine our election systems, undermine the integrity, has told people you really can't trust vote by mail, which is just absolutely not true. And the question is, why is he doing this? And answer likely is because he thinks that he will benefit for a couple of different reasons. Now, one is if he loses, he can say, I told you, I've been telling you all along, the system is rigged. If he wins, but not by that much, he can say, I told you, I've told you all along that the system is rigged. Can you imagine how much I would have voted, uh, would have won by otherwise? But it also serves to depress voter turnout. And President Trump certainly is not the first elected official or politician to say that there's fraud in the system when there isn't. But you have to ask yourself why politicians are saying that. And President Trump and other Republicans are operating under the belief that lower voter turnout will help them. And we can already see that this is becoming a truth, that this is already happening, meaning that there already is lower voter registration numbers. Fewer people are asking for vote by mail ballots where they have to ask for them because in part, they're worried about whether or not they can trust the system. So it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. I actually am not sure, and political scientists and social scientists are not sure that this assumption is true, that lower voter turnout will help Republicans. Now, 
very generally, that typically seems to be the case, but we don't know exactly how that will play out in an election that's held predominantly by vote by mail. It's not at all clear to me and to other people that lower turnout really does translate into a better outcome for Republicans. But as long as we're talking about this issue of psychological warfare and worrying about what's going to happen on election day or right after election day, we already flagged one issue, which is it could take longer for the ballots to be counted. Now, it doesn't take that much imagination to think of a scenario in which President Trump looks like he's ahead on election night, but then as more ballots are counted, Vice President Biden actually looks like he's doing better. We can also imagine that President Trump will say, everybody's against me, they're rigging the system, they're changing votes because I would have won. Now, again, the important thing to remember is, no, it just means that we're counting a lot of vote-by-mail ballots, but prepare yourself potentially for a lot of lawsuits during that time. And we could see, you know, an enormous amount, again, of litigation, potentially on both sides regarding voting irregularities and potential problems with the system. And this could even go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Who would really not want this to happen? Well, loyal listeners of the podcast know that Chief Justice John Roberts um, of the Supreme Court is likely very enthusiastic about not having to take one of these big cases, which could look like the Supreme Court is deciding the presidential election. Certainly the decision in 2000 in Bush v. Gore hurt the uh, credibility of the Supreme Court, and Chief Justice John Roberts does not want another one of those moments. So one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that we really are living in an unprecedented time in the sense that think about the conversations we're having that we didn't used to have. Let's talk about just a few of those. One, we have a president of the United States who is charged with upholding the Constitution, who is talking about ideas that are just blatantly unconstitutional, like maybe I'll change the date of the election. The date of the election is set by federal law, and it would take an act of Congress to change it. Also, that doesn't really get us anywhere because under the Constitution, the president and the vice president's terms end on Inauguration Day. There's no caveat or exception in the Constitution that said, unless the election day is changed or unless there's still litigation regarding the election. So again, you don't elongate the president and vice president's terms. Which brings us to another question I've been getting a lot, which is what about Nancy Pelosi? Could she become the president under the Constitution? And the answer is, it would be very unlikely. But yes, if there are federal elections, for instance, for Congress and Senate, but not for the presidency and vice presidency, and Nancy Pelosi is reelected and becomes speaker, she would be next in line. So you would have uh, the first female president of the United States by this completely unprecedented moment and constitutional mechanism. Another related question is, what if we don't have a, what if nobody wins the Electoral College because of a variety of problems that lead up to that? What if nobody gets to 270 Electoral College votes? 
At that point, you could see a situation where, under the Constitution, the election goes to the House of Representatives. Democrats might be excited about that, but every state only gets one vote. So that actually would be good for Republicans. And this leads us to the really the nightmare of the nightmares, which is people saying, what if it's clear after all this has happened, after all of the litigation goes away, what if it does become clear that President Trump lost, Vice President Biden won? What if he won't leave? Then we have a situation where we do have a constitutional crisis. Now, that is a word that's overused, a term that's overused. But if you have a president of the United States who has been whose term is over, who did not win re-election and refuses to leave, then you have to remove that person either peacefully or by force. And that is not a situation I wish on our country by any stretch of the imagination. That would um, that would truly tear at us. So I hate to leave you with the nightmare of nightmares. What I do know is that as we continue through this election cycle, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about all of the issues, big and small, that are going to come up. We love hearing from you. We love all of you that have already uh, downloaded, listened, rated, subscribed. You can find me on Twitter at Levinson Jessica. Tell me if you'd like to hear about a specific topic. You can find the show on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod and the show on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. So, I'll see you next time.